This is Warner Lewis, and welcome to another edition of Lewis at Large, smart talk and conversation with talented people from all walks of life. A reminder to subscribe to these Lewis at Large podcasts, go to Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you like the podcast, hey, let others know about it. For context, my conversation with independent film producer Judy Scott was recorded in April of 2021. Extremely pleased uh, to have with us uh, on this show for the very first time, uh, Judy Scott, uh, a talented, uh, talented person indeed. She was originally born and raised in New Jersey. She currently lives in L.A. Um, but the projects she's been associated with have generated and garnered numerous awards 2005, she helped launch the first ever LGBT cable TV network as a senior acquisitions and business affairs executive. Uh, she has spent quite a bit of time uh, traveling around the world. We're going to be focusing on an extraordinary new work called Leonard, Marianne, and Me, Magical Summers on Hydra slash Idra uh, by Judy Scott. Pleased to have her here. Judy, uh, how are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. Well, this is an interesting story. Let's uh, let's do this. Uh, we certainly want to discuss the book, obviously, but let's share with our Lewis at Large listeners, if we could, a little bit more about Judy Scott. What was the what was the trail uh, that took you towards filmmaking in general? Uh, and tell us a little bit about that path, and then we'll dive into the book. Sure. Um, I actually worked for 25 years um, in film, independent film production and distribution. Um, the last 20 years, basically in distribution, um, indie, indie film production is is challenging to say the least. And some days I would work uh, as an independent contractor 20 days a month. Some days it would be five days a month when you're um, a single parent raising a, a child. That kind of change in in your your economic status can be unsustainable. But I was fortunate in getting into the home video business, distribution business, very early and and getting into the acquisitions, the buying office, which is probably the most um, desirable job. So I got to go to the Cannes Film Festival 13 years in a row, Toronto Film Festival 17 years in a row, ditto Sundance Film Festival. Um, that was kind of the the sugar on the job. The the kind of bad news is that it's a 24-7 job. You you don't just work eight hours a day. Um, you work closer to 10 or 12. But it was it was delightful. And um, I, I happened into it just, you know, I was always interested in film. I started volunteering and, and you know, uh, being unpaid staff. And that's how you kind of meet people. And in our business, in the movie business, it's all about who you know rather than what you know. So... I just got lucky. So a lot of t- early on, you probably spent a lot of time running cable and and stringing up lights and hauling equipment around. Probably, absolutely. I worked in the art department. I worked in the, uh, as assistant, a third assistant, assistant director. I was video assist for a while when we were still using thirty five millimeter, and you would tap off of it to a uh, to a video screen so that the director could get playback and see what he had just filmed. And uh, yeah, and it was all fun. Um, long days, but lots of camaraderie and lots of very good connections. Yep, cold coffee and peanut butter sandwiches. Why not? Um, so, so Judy, let me. We loved. Uh, go ahead. We loved craft services. That's for sure. Oh no, kidding! Of course, Judy. Let me uh, let me ask you this: In today's media environment, with so many services now that are streaming, and the demand for content now is 
far beyond what it ever was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Does this offer, would this have offered a, just starting out Judy Scott, more of an opportunity maybe to either find regular work, so to speak, or just more opportunities? Um, it's really hard to say. I mean, it, it has exploded in terms of the number of platforms and, and you know ways now that you can watch movies and, and make movies. I mean, that I've, I saw a movie just before I retired that was, done, that was filmed entirely on an iPhone. Um, and it was beautiful. So, um, but but there's so many people where I live in Los Angeles who want to get into the business that I would still rate it as very competitive. Everybody wants to make movies. All right. So let's get to the business at hand. Leonard, okay. Marianne, and me, Magical Summers on Hydra or Idra, uh, as uh-huh. they would say there. Let let's let's do a little bit of setup here. In 1973. You're a college student. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, actually a little bit older for college, but you're in college. And you go on like many, many, many American young people did. You traveled through Europe and you spent an entire summer on the Greek island of Hydra, or as you mm-hmm. have said, the natives call it Hydra. Is that correct? That you is fall correct. in love with the place. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. All those kinds of things. And at 27, I got to believe. You were overwhelmed with its beauty and its charm and just, my gosh, this is sort of heaven on earth. Absolutely. There you meet, uh, and we can get into how all of that happened, uh, the very, very talented and iconic songwriter Leonard Cohen, uh, as well as his partner, uh, a Norwegian woman named Marianne, and I will not try to try her last name, Marianne. Uh, Ian. Ian, Okay. Let's yeah. do this. Number one, how did you meet them? What were the circumstances? And let's take it from there, is once you met them, what were the first sort of dynamics that happened, and then we'll carry it on from there. Sure. Um, it was serendipitous. It was serendipitous that I even got to Idra. I was traveling with um, some fellow travelers, students and, and the like, um, from another Greek island, Corfu, where we all met at a youth hostel, and we went down to Athens together. We were on our way to Turkey. We were we were going to um, tour Turkey as well. And when we once we got to Athens, the other kids said, "You know, we'd like to see one more Greek island." And I said, "Okay, but I really want to get to Istanbul. So let's try and find one that's close by and not like an overnight ferry ride." And one of our the fellows went off and to the tourist office. He came back. He said, "I found the perfect island. It's three hours by ferry." And it has no cars, and it has an art colony, an expatriate art colony on it, and it's supposed to be very beautiful. I said, that sounds great. So when we get, we got on the ferry, we all went out to Idra, and um, it was May, early May, and um, we booked into a little pension right on the port, and the other uh, people I was with, the other four, said, let's, let's do four nights here. And I said, okay, but you know what, let's just book for three nights, because the place is pretty empty. If we want to stay the fourth night, pretty sure that we'll be able to. And uh, long story short, I ran into a very lovely, wealthy Greek man. My book is dedicated to him, uh, having lunch. I was invited to join him and his party at lunch. And uh, we went. I was invited to his house. He had a mansion, 17-room mansion on the island, I was invited to go there after lunch, and um, 
that's where I met Mariana. She uh, came into the house because he had one of the only phones in those days on the island, and she was going to make a phone call. And when everybody else went off to shower, she and I sat and had some wine and and just discussed things. And she said, yeah, I've lived here for 10 years or so, and, you know, I lived with a singer-songwriter, and maybe you've heard of him, um, Leonard Cohen. And, I, w- I mean, he was one of my favorites. I had every one of his albums. I knew every one of his songs. I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> she's that Marianne. She's the so-long Marianne Marianne. So um, she... She walked me to the door when she was leaving, and and she said, come and visit me at my house. And I said, I think I'm leaving tomorrow. And she said, she just looked me up and down, and then she said, don't leave. This is a really special place. You'll see. Stay. And at the same time, my host, George, um, said to me, listen, I'm doing some work on my house, and if you would like to help me do some painting, you're free to stay here, you know. And I went, oh, boy, that's... This is a 17-room mansion, and I could stay here, and, and I did, and I stayed all summer. About three weeks after that, um, and I hung out a lot with Mariana, um, she got word that Leonard was coming. And I was set to leave again, but they said, well, you can't leave now because Leonard Cohen is coming, like they could ever have kept me from staying. And, uh, and he came the next day, and um, I met him at the house, and he, you know, he was... Very welcoming as well. Mariana said to him, now this is my very closest new friend. Don't try and steal her away from me. And we all left. And uh, I just sort of became a part of their family after that. Uh, Mariana's son, Axel, was living there. He was 13. And I just spent uh, an enormous amount of time, at, at least another month, uh, being a part of that little family, which was an incredi- incredibly magical thing for me to experience. That must have been, just think about that. That's that you, you basically, what you've laid out there pretty much is a storyline you would say to a studio and you'd say, let's make a little movie out of this thing. You are, <laughs> I'd love hey, to. You are this American college kid. Uh, and suddenly one thing leads to another and you're painting a 17 bedroom home or 17 room, home, whatever it is, mansion, mm-hmm. uh, in Idra and linking up with Leonard Cohen and his girlfriend. That uh, yeah. doesn't get a whole lot better than that, does it, Judy? It, it really doesn't. I mean, uh, I used to sing with him almost every day. Um, he would take time out of his writing and, and being in his studio to come out and hang out with us on the terrace. And uh, and I, I loved singing. I was always a pretty good singer. And at one point, Leonard said to me, you know, Judy, I could send you to Clive Davis because you sing as well as any backup singer I've ever worked with. And foolishly, I said, um, you know, I think I have to try and make it on my own, Leonard, but thank you for that offer. Um, and if I have any regret about not not doing something in my life ever, it was not taking Leonard up on his offer to send me to Clive Davis. Yeah, that uh, that would have been something. Yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, that's a, that's okay. You're allowed that mistake. That's okay. <laughs> that, the, 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 the music world, can you can only wonder what if, right? Exactly, exactly. But I'm so happy with my life that, as it is now that, um, you know, it would have been very different if different things had happened. So it's fate in a way. So tell us about, uh, this is what's extraordinary about this, tell us about not only were you friends, you also shared an in- intimate relationship with both of them. And 
number one, was that an expectation that you felt? Would you felt a lot of traction right away or did that develop? And how did that change the dynamics of the threesome? Well, um, we never actually were a threesome, but I, I was very intimately connected with um, one or the other at right. different times. Right, that's what I meant, um, I'm sorry. And, and, and first, Mariana, um, uh, I'm gay, and I was just approaching the acknowledgement that that was going to be my sexuality. Um, and Mariana was uh, was very comfortable with that and, and actually kind of initiated that part of our relationship. And... Um, I was crazy about her, and with Leonard it was it was slightly different. I mean, with Leonard it was more an emotional thing. I mean, we were very close to one another, and I promised him that that's all I would ever say about it, and that's all that I really will say about it. Um, but they were incredibly kind to me. Their relationship was so intimate in itself. They never, as far as I know, would ever have invited anyone else into their relationships physically. Um, but but Mariana would would leave sometimes, and then it would just be uh, me and Leonard um, and Axel uh, in the house. I didn't spend very many nights there. I spent a couple. Um, most of the time, I just stayed at George's and and hung out with them during the day and evening. Now, were you doing any kind of beyond just sort of sort of drinking all this stuff in? Were you doing any kind of work work, so to speak, developing any kind of a career? Or tell us a little bit about. What were you doing during that period? Sure. I, I actually went there um, to write, and, and it was my intention to write. The, the memoir that's being published is as a result of um, my diaries and journals from that period of time. Um, but I didn't really come up with anything until this finally got put together that I really thought was, was publishable, was, you know, was complete in the way that I wanted it to be. Um, in my book, I quote um, Thoreau. Henry David Thoreau wrote his own epitaph. He wrote his own um, gravestone, and it it went. It was very simple. It went like this: My life has been the poem I would have writ, but I could not both live and utter it. And that's kind of how I felt. It's sure. like I'm living my life, and um, and I, you know, I wish I was doing more writing, but it, it's taking all of my time living. Understood. Again, if you just joined us, here's truly Warner Lewis from the Flight Deck. Uh, of Lewis at Large, got a good one going here uh, with independent filmmaker Judy Scott, uh, now retired, but uh, I know her mind still drifts back every once in a while to be behind the camera. But uh, a brand new work called Leonard, Mariana, and Me, and uh, a fascinating story. Uh, so talk to me about we, you, have a, you have these different relationships going with the two of them. Uh, you're you're painting the house. You're doing all these things. Go forward now from that, and let's just start maybe 73, 70, 75 on. What happens mm-hmm. with that? Share with it sort of the evolution of the relationship. Well, in 75, I went back to Idra and spent the longest period of time there, um, but neither Mariana nor Leonard were there at that time. I saw Leonard in New York in 75. He played um, the bottom line. And I went back after after his show and, and to the dressing room, chatted with him. I brought some pictures that I had taken who that are in the book actually, of him and Mariana and myself. Um the picture on the on the cover is a picture of me that he actually took with my camera, um, on his terrace. Um and we kept in loose 
contact after that. Um, I didn't see, I didn't, I never saw Leonard again um, on Idra. I last visited him in 2009 here in uh, Los Angeles where he was living. Um, and we had a very nice reunion after many years of just emails and birthday cards and things like that. Um, but one of the things that I did want to mention about the book uh, is that before I published it, and I was asked to contribute to um, a compilation that some other writers on Idra were doing, and I said, okay, I, I will consider that, but when I hung out with Leonard and Mariana, the only thing Leonard asked me was, please don't write about us. And I honored that promise for 40 years. And I said, before I participate, if I decide to in this compilation, I need to send it to Leonard, and I need to get his permission. And so at the very beginning of the book, um, there is an email that I sent to Leonard saying, I've been asked to do this, and I know that you always ask me never to write about you, and I would ask to be excused from that promise, but here's the material. If there's anything you want me to take out, if there's any, if you want me to just abandon the entire thing, I'm totally at your disposal. And he wrote me back the very next day in an email and said, thank you for sharing this very fine piece of work for which I have no objections whatsoever. I deeply admire the detail and honesty of the piece. Wow. And that just, that just, yeah, that knocked me out. It was like, okay, I've got something here, and, um, and it's okay with him for me to, to pursue it. So I'm not going to go into the compilation where they were only going to use about 35 pages. I'm going to make it into, you know, my, my honor, my, my recollections, my, you know, my tribute to the island and to Leonard and to Mariana, who had such an incredible effect on my life. Judy, when you when you returned to the states uh, and, and and you it stopped traveling to the island, how mm-hmm. how public and how much did you share with your friends and family slash associates about this, the relationship with these two that you had developed, or was that something that was just sort of parked inside you for many many years? Oh no, everybody everybody that I knew you know knew about how how strongly I felt and you know how much um, my relationships with them influenced me. Um, and I, I've been back to the island. I was back there in 2019. I've gone back to Idra probably 25 times. And the art colony that's there, we, you know, we had, and I do write about that in the book, other people who um, were associated, all of us sort of in the same, what they would call a parea, which is a group, your, your, you know, your group of friends. All of them knew Leonard and Mariana. Some of them were lovers with one or the other. Um, but most of them still stayed on Idra for a very long time. Um, English people, uh, French people, a lot of Canadians, because Leonard is, is Canadian, um, Australians. So I would go back and visit my friends there and just visit the islands that I loved about every other year from the very first time I went there. What about also, and this is another dynamic that it's sort of a sidebar out of the book. At the beginning of this interview, you said you were gay. In 1973, mm-hmm. you probably would not have started an interview saying that. Um, I'm no. curious as to you, your personal journey, of when your awareness uh, of, of, of being gay and what were the circumstances, how you sort of, how you came out, so to speak, 
And what was that like for you emotionally? And how? And tell me how maybe it might have defined you in a different way back then than maybe now. Yes, I think that that's very true. And I do mention in the book because it was a long process. I was, you know, a Catholic high school girl. I went twelve years to Catholic schools um, and graduated in '68. And uh, so it was a long process of of self acceptance. And I do mention in the book that I honestly think that um, both Leonard and Mariana. I mean, Leonard knew that I was, you know, that I was enthralled with Mariana. That that was clear from the very beginning. The fact that they just completely embraced me, that they just completely accepted me as who I was, really helped me to accept who I was. And, um, you know, when I went back in 75, uh, I had an affair with um, the the friend of a brother of of, um, a friend of mine uh, who was traveling around Europe, an American guy, and uh, and I became pregnant, and I became pregnant on IDRA, um, and... So I was still, you could say, bisexual. I was still, you know, seeing and, and involved in uh, relationships with men and women. Um, and it took a really long time, be- you know, before I just found the one. And the one for me um, is my partner, um, my spouse, legally here, um, Monica. And we've been together for 37 years. Is this book, in, as you look back at this, is this a book about, your evolution as a not only as a human being but also in many cases particularly with you as an artist uh as a filmmaker and self-expression is it a book about the relationship between the three of you or is it something maybe even broader than all of that i think you're right i think it is broader than that it it really is a book about um the profound effects all of these things um the island itself the, the group of people that I became involved with there, um, the man who helped me so much um, to stay there, George, who's passed on, and as I said, who I dedicated the book to, George Lialios, um, and the uh, profound effect that, you know, singing with Leonard Cohen, hanging out with him, going to dinner with him, just chatting with him, we did a lot of talking. Um, I was a philosophy major. He liked, you know, talking about different theories on things. Both he and Mariana and George were much more involved, I guess, in spiritual searching than I was. You know, 12 years of Catholic schooling pretty much um, finished it for me as far as spiritual searching was concerned. Um, He he did tell me at one time, Leonard, uh, to go and see his Roshi. You know, he lived um, in the monastery on Mount Baldy for six years, um, much after this, and he said, go and see the Roshi, he, he will straighten you out. And, uh, and I made an attempt to go and see the Roshi. I, I called the Zen Center in Los Angeles, and the Roshi there said, I, am, I, I don't know anyone named Leonard Cohen. And I said, well, didn't he live with you on Mount Baldy? Oh, that's another Roshi, he said. But, but come, and, you know, come down and, and see me, and you know, maybe I can help you. So I did go down there, and, uh, and I was late, and he wasn't there. And there were all these people chanting, and they had their shoes off and their eyes closed. And I said to myself, this isn't my scene. But it definitely was for Mariana and for Leonard and for, and for George. Um, they were always big spiritual searchers. Well, the work is called Leonard, Mariana, and Me, Magical Summers on Idra. 
uh, by Judy Scott, independent filmmaker, uh, amongst other things. Judy, uh, wow, what a story. Where can people pick up a copy of this and also maybe find out a little bit more about uh, some of the work that you have done uh, behind the camera? Sure. Um, it's it's available for pre-sales on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, on Target, on uh, Walmart. Um, it will, we anticipate, be in many local bookstores. I, um, I would promote going to your local bookstore and requesting it because I really am, am someone who wants to promote bookstores. You know, they, they haven't been doing really well, neither has the publishing company f- uh, for that matter. But I really would promote um, local bookstores. All you have to do is request it, but it is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Well, listen, thank you so much uh, for sharing this really, really fascinating story, and uh, best of luck to you. And, uh, again, uh, have a great 2021. Thank you very much. I anticipate it, and the same to you. Well, thanks for joining us for this installment of Lewis at Large. We add new conversations every week, and we like hearing from you. You can contact us via email at warnerflewis1 at gmail.com. That's warnerflewis1 at gmail.com. And you can find out more at lewisatlarge.com or on the Lewis at Large Facebook page. And remember to subscribe to Lewis at Large. Check out Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Now go have a great day.